You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Here's why we need an eternal perspective, and an eternal perspective not only maintained, but sometimes renewed, renewed, number one, because you're going to go through perplexing times, and if you haven't, you will. Number two, because sometimes suffering and the cost and the will of God is greater than you anticipated, and linked with lack of understanding why God's allowing. Your journey as a believer will be challenging. As you first start down that road of following Christ, your zeal for your newfound love drives you and gives you hope. But for most of us, at some point, that initial emotional boost eventually subsides, and then we're stuck with living out our faith in the face of struggle after struggle. As Pastor Danny encourages us in today's message, you must keep an eternal perspective. Think on what Christ has done and will do for us and walk on in that hope. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, as he continues his message, Maintaining an Eternal Perspective. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is a love story. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. Imagine that. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And you got to love verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And John did. And I'm thankful we have the record. When we were in Montana in August, had to drive by where we were staying from downtown Whitefish, a road, and there was a sign. It said Beaver Lake. We didn't have a lot of downtime there, but I asked one of the locals, hey, you ever been to Beaver Lake? No. Ask another local. You ever been to Beaver Lake? Nope. Nobody ever been to Beaver Lake. I thought, we got to go to Beaver Lake. So Wendy and I... Headed down the road, it was a paved road, and then the paved road turned into a gravel road, and the gravel road turned into a not-so-nice gravel bumpy road, and the not-so-nice gravel bumpy road turned into just a dirt road, and the dirt road turned into washed-out areas 
And we drove and we drove and we drove and we drove. And I thought, I even turned to her, I turned to my wife and I said, there is no lake back here. We have been deceived or we've taken a wrong turn. Well, how can you take a wrong turn? There's only one road. And so we kept driving. And I was determined. And we drove for days, it seemed like. And then finally, 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 after driving and driving and driving and driving, we came around one corner and there it was. And we got out and we walked up to the edge of the lake. It was so quiet. There was nobody else around. I looked and only two fishermen in a little boat and they were quite a distance over there and it was flat calm, but I noticed one of them pulling a fish in and I thought, oh, it's wonderful. (laughs) I looked over and across this way, We saw two paddle boarders way over on the other side and the mountains in the background. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was one of the most picturesque, peaceful, wonderful experiences of my life. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to do exactly what Peter wanted to do on the Mount of Transfiguration. I wanted to just build a house right there and live there. Because for just a few brief moments, are you listening? For just a few brief moments, I forgot every problem in my life. I just forgot about everything because it was so peaceful, so wonderful, so heavenly. This is not Disney World. This is not even Beaver Lake, but to get here. And we'll talk more about getting here next weekend, because that's what the next few verses talk about. I'm going to really live in a world where there's no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. I'm going to live in a capital city that we'll talk about when we get to it. But listen, its wall, this heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, its wall is made of jasper, and it's, get this, 200 feet of jasper. The city's made of pure gold and the the main street is of gold. It's going to be amazing. But the most amazing thing is that God is going to be there. He's more glorious than his creation. It's a real world. I went to some scriptures and there were so many I had to pick and choose. John chapter 13, for example, after reading Revelation 21, these first few verses that I read this morning, John chapter 13, Jesus is headed for the cross. And in John chapter 13, these words just jump off the page at me. Verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Another verse says he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 3, John 13, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. God had put all things under his power. He said, 
to his disciples, I can call my father and he'll send legions of angels. But then you go to John chapter 18. Judas leads a detachment of soldiers sent by the Jewish leadership. They come at night because they're doing evil. They're coming to arrest Jesus. And notice, again, jump right off the page. John chapter 18, verse 4. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him. And he went out and he said, who who are you looking for? Well, he knew they were looking for him. Peter pulls out his sword to defend him. Jesus says to Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father's given for me? And that took me back to John's gospel, chapter 12. And in John's gospel, chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, now my heart is troubled. That's a light way of saying it. In the garden of Gethsemane, before the soldiers came to arrest him, hematidrosis is taking place in his physical body. Uh, Blood is being mixed with the sweat drops. You talk about turmoil. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, no. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The motivation. Oh, yeah, technically it was come to do the Father's will. And he says in that section of John's gospel, I've completed the mission you gave me to do. But there's something more than that as well. It's not just that. He came from glory. He knew what it was like. Yeah, very few saints who got the privilege of seeing what it's really like before they actually got there. Paul the Apostle was caught up to the third heaven, caught up to the throne. I bet he was disappointed he had to come back down. So many verses to pick from. One of the others I chose is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Beaver Lake. (laughs) By faith, he made his home in the promised land and like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. That's not a permanent dwelling here. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And here it is. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What's the point of all this? The point is simply this. The motivation, the insight, the perspective. Why Paul the Apostle in Acts 20 can stand before mighty men, him a prisoner, and say, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I might finish my course and complete the work he's given me to do. Why he can write in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why he can say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6, the time for my departure is at hand. They weren't living for this world. They were living for the one to come. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I think about heaven every single day day of my life. And I need to. You know what Revelation 21 is to me? 
Oh, it's a coming day. Oh, it's the ultimate beaver lake. (laughs) And it's going to never end. But I'm not there yet. And here, (laughs) the road turns from paved to gravel to not so nice gravel to sometimes washed out. And you just go, what? Am I... Am I really on the right road? Is this really, is is there really something at the end of this thing? Or do I need need to pull over or turn around? Another road. No, no, no. We're on the right road. But even the best of the saints, and God recorded it for us, God recorded it for us, needed to have an eternal perspective renewed and refreshed. And focused in. Because even though I know it's true. Sometimes the turns and the twists and the gravel and the washout and all the stuff. Man. You get out of focus. One of the greatest worship leaders in the Bible. His name is Asaph. He wrote several of the Psalms. David wrote a lot of the Psalms. But Asaph wrote quite a few himself. We just don't know as much about Asaph as we do about David. But Asaph wrote Psalm 50. He wrote Psalm 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83. He wrote a lot of Psalms. And I went back and read them all in preparation for this message. You'll just be thankful. I'm not going to share them all with you because we'd be here a long time. But he writes things that are so praiseworthy and he says such great things inspired by the Spirit. Those Psalms are Psalms. He's a songwriter inspired by the Holy Spirit and all this great acclamation to the Lord. And it's filled. His psalms are filled with that. But that's not all it's filled with. If you read his psalms, you'll see bumps in the road. You'll see gravel turn to just dirt. You'll see washout. The one that really speaks the most of Asaph's challenges on the road of life headed to glory is Psalm 73. Psalm 73, go there with me and take a look how he starts out. Verse 1, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet, it almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills, which tells me it's likely that maybe one of the things he's struggling with is a physical infirmity. And he's looking at those who haven't committed their lives to the Lord. They're not living for the Lord as he's seeking to do. And they're doing great. Verse 12, this is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, if I'd have said what my heart was thinking and what my mind was thinking, it would not have been good testimony to the Lord. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. You got an attitude. And an attitude that really 
is heaven directed till I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. And then in verse 24, he says, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you'll take me into glory. There his focus is back. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. Now that's just gut honest. God is the strength of my heart. My portion forever. Even the best of them recorded here. Had some times. Perplexing times. Jeremiah. <laughs> you read places like Jeremiah 12 and Jeremiah starts out and says, God, uh, you're, you're great, etc. Uh, however, I have issue with your justice. Doesn't seem too fair what's going on in my life right now. And you've heard of Job. And Job had no idea the conversations going on in heaven and the purpose behind what God was allowing in his life. Here's why we need an eternal perspective and an eternal perspective not only maintained but sometimes renewed Renewed, number one, because you're going to go through perplexing times. And if you haven't, you will. Number two, because sometimes suffering and the cost and the will of God is greater than you anticipated. And linked with a lack of understanding of why God's allowing it. And then number three, because sometimes... In the Christian life, the way you were certain it was going to turn out because you heard from the Lord and it didn't turn out that way. And if you're not careful for moments in time, you can lose hope. It'll be hopeless because you've heard from the Lord and yet it didn't turn out like the voice you heard. You say, is there something like that in Scripture? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, records a synagogue ruler. His name is Jairus. His 12-year-old daughter is sick. He comes to Jesus. Jesus agrees to go to his home. On the way, there is a delay. A woman with an issue of blood is pushing through the crowd. She's filled with mustard seed faith. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She pushes through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment. She's healed. Jesus will not go any further until this woman makes herself known. Who touched me? The disciples, everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? No, power's gone out from me. And he will not stop. And for some undisclosed period of time, he is going to make sure this woman comes forward and testifies to what has been done for her. And during this whole scenario, servants come from Jairus' house. And while he's still dealing with this now healed woman, the servants say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. Imagine how you would feel. You've gone to Jesus in your desperation, in your need. He's agreed to come to your house. This is a personal visit. You're certain. Your daughter's going to be okay. Thank God for men like Warren Wearsby, because Warren Wearsby, in his commentary on this story, gives us precisely exactly what some translations do not, exactly what Jesus says to Jairus, 
when the servants come and say, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter is dead. Here's exactly what he says. Don't be afraid. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. The faith that you had when you came to Jesus, the faith that you had when Jesus agreed to come, the faith that you had that Jesus is going to heal your daughter. And yet, what you heard, what you thought, it did not turn out the way you expected. Because the hope is ultimately beyond this life. That's why when the servant comes from Mary and Martha's house and Lazarus is sick and Jesus is in another village and the messenger comes, the one you love is sick. And Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory that God may be glorified. Everybody thinks, oh man, Lazarus is going to be okay. But another delay. And during the delay, Lazarus dies. They have the funeral. They bury him. Finally, when Jesus shows up days later, Mary and Martha both say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And what they thought they heard and what they thought they understood was not at all what God had planned. And you have those few stories, Old Testament, New Testament, not a lot, but enough, a handful with a resurrection. Jesus goes to Jairus' home and he does raise the daughter from the dead and gives her back. And he does go to the tomb of Lazarus and he calls out and Lazarus comes forth. I need Revelation 21. I need to read. I need to think about daily the ultimate victory. There's coming a day there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hebrews chapter 2, the middle of verse 7. In putting everything under him, speaking of Jesus, God putting everything under his feet, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus. I need to think about heaven every day. I want to think about heaven every day. Because between here and there, sometimes the road goes from paved to gravel to bumpy to washed out. And sometimes, sometimes you have those thoughts and you go, am I really on the right road? Is there really a lake at the end of this thing? One day, if you'll just hang in there, Keep going forward. We're going to be there. And then the words that the Apostle Paul writes that you just have to receive by faith. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's going to be unbelievable. Those moments in time, like my Beaver Lake experience, where for a brief few moments, I forgot all my problems. That day's coming, but it's not going to be a brief moment. Every day, for all eternity, and they live happily ever after.
We're so glad you tuned in today for Pastor Danny's message in the book of Revelation. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of the messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today or would like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. We're so privileged to be able to pray for you. You can connect with us on social media as well. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we want to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator, and we know that you'll fit right in. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. There's much more to learn from the pages of Revelation, so we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.